2: Welcome! Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, and uh, we've had some good shows this week. Juwan Howard's episode, I hope you guys caught. Ken Maurer, a longtime NBA referee, I hope you caught that on Tuesday. Today, we may have our best show of the week, and I'm really proud of the shows we've done Monday and Tuesday, Uh, but Royce White... Is running for Congress uh, in Minneapolis and he announced it yesterday. He's running as a Republican. He wants Elon Omar's seat. You guys know Elon, the crazy uh, anti-American leftist. She's part of the squad. Uh, Royce is facing an uphill battle. Uh, He's he's running in a heavily Democratic district, Uh, but we're gonna bring Royce on here in a second and talk about that. Steve Bannon, One of uh, Royce's mentors, and you guys know Steve Bannon, a friend of President Trump, helped get President Trump elected. Uh, One of, again, Royce's mentors. He's going to come on the show. He's going to leave his war room to come on and join the fearless army. Uh, Uncle Jimmy is back and we will get into a conversation with Uncle Jimmy about, in the approval rating, about Juwan Howard. Uncle Jimmy's been at home, he's been watching a bunch of stuff. He says he has to talk about Juwan Howard, the Michigan basketball coach that's been suspended for the rest of the season for punching an assistant coach. So we'll do all, that's how we'll end the show. It's a phenomenal show. I wanna start uh, by showing you guys Royce's commercial announcing his run to take on Elon Omar, let's start there.
0: There's very few brave souls that step up and say, hey, this is not right. One guy that's done that in professional basketball is Royce White.
2: Could you imagine if, if LeBron James had Royce White's balls and intellect?
3: 10 years ago. I took on the NBA and the establishment.
0: You're a patriot and American hero, and I think there are great, great days ahead of you.
3: I said that mental health was one of the greatest issues we face. He's got an an anxiety disorder, and he's been really upfront about it. He's actually been an inspiration to a lot of people. And I was willing to give up my dream to fight for people I had never met.
2: Did y'all just hear Royce White? I'm 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 fighting back tears
3: right now. I took the lead when others wouldn't. Okay, that's your shirt? What does it mean? Free the Uyghurs, two million ethnic minorities in East Turkestan, China, in, in concentration camps. Something we gotta talk about. You know I'm always gonna talk about the real things. Okay. Free the Uyghurs. My name is Royce White. I'm a fifth generation Minnesotan and a product of the Twin Cities. But first and foremost, I'm an American. I'm running for Congress because our leaders have sold us out. We have to fight for freedom. We have to protect our communities. We have to restore what it means to be an American citizen. We have to fight the momentum of globalism. My problem with Ilhan isn't that she's not an American, or that she's not from Minnesota. She's in on it. She's a globalist.
0: We need to
2: completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department.
3: She's a puppet for the establishment. I'm here to sound the alarm. We are in a crisis. We are at war. Our sovereignty is on the line. The soul of America is on the line. What Big Pharma, Big Tech, and the corporate elites have done to us during this pandemic shows us tyranny is here. The line has been drawn, and it's pretty damn clear. We, the people, no longer have a choice. I need you to get involved at royswhite.us. Godspeed.
2: Awesome. Royce, why are you doing it? Why are you getting involved in politics?
3: Well, well first of all, it's good to be back and uh, appreciate the Fearless Army. They're, uh, they're, they're unwavering supporters. Um, and that, that was the best political demeanor I could put on. You know I'm more intense than that. and The, the Fearless Army knows I'm a little more <laughs> intense than that. I might get there today. Um, really, you know, this is my home. I was born and raised here. Um, five generations, like I said, in the the campaign video. And I have a deep affection and love for Minnesota and and the Twin Cities. And there's a crisis of leadership. You know, it's it's that simple. The, The grandiosity of the federal government is undermining the meaning of community. And the arrogance of globalism is undermining the value of country. Um, and you know, I, I'm not ready to give up on the American dream. I'm not ready to give up my American citizenship for this global fantasy, um, and, and I'm not ready to give up my stake uh, in, in this country either. So you know, it, we, we're at war. There's no doubt about it. The, the the line has been drawn. The game is on, and um, people have encouraged me to jump in and, and step in and, and fight, and, and I'm willing to do that.
2: So. Walk us through how this process goes. My understanding is there are three Republicans competing, c- competing in this. Is there a primary? And, and then you guys would, the winner of that would then take on Elon. H- how does this process play out?
3: Well, right now there's, there's two other Republican candidates and uh, there, there is a primary that's held in August and, and then the election will be in November. Uh, honestly, I'm not worried about the other primary candidates, and that's no disrespect to them. Um, I, I like both of them. I like some of the things they have to say. But for me, in this time going forward, all of our leaders should come with the—as if, if as best as we can, we should filter them out based on— their history of of sacrificing something substantial in pursuit of a greater good or, or a greater integrity and and I just don't know that to be true of them. I know that I went against the NBA ten years ago when people weren't even talking about a global corporate community or corporatocracy or uh, China or you know this sort of economics only conservatism that is that has plagued the political uh, arena. So. Um, i put my skin in the game, and and I'm willing to put that resume up against any of my opponents in in, in this race and anyone in the future.
2: I I do hear you on that. I think that does grant you some authenticity in terms of, like, this dude will put his money where his mouth is. And and so I I hear that as, like, Royce is someone you can trust. He's going to stand on his beliefs, uh, come hell or come high water. And so, you know, and I want to be careful because obviously I have a bias. Royce, great friend of the show, uh, great contributor to the show. I have a bias, but the facts are the facts. You sacrificed a chance to make hundreds of millions of dollars in the NBA to stand on your beliefs. I, I, I do think that will give you some credibility. The other, the other thing I like is the fifth generation Minnesotan and the roots in Minneapolis. I think that plays well against Elon, and I, I think, as you said in the video, uh, no disrespect, you're not running against her because she's you know, not an American or not a, well, she probably is, she's an American citizen now, but, and, and not from Minnesota, but I think your deep roots in Minnesota also have to add to your credibility.
3: Well, I believe so. Um, you know, my, my roots go deep in uh in many directions, we could say. Uh, my Uncle Alfred Auri, for example, was the dean of the dentistry school uh there in Minnesota at the University of Minnesota, and it's probably the most prestigious dentist school in, in our country, and he is regarded as one of the um one of the most prominent contributors in the dental community. Um and, and you know that's just one of many, but but all of the people around my my family Uh, in either direction, we're community leaders. And and they fought for the community. um, They fought for human rights. They fought for people to be treated fairly, to to have justice and and all of these other ideas that we say we hold dear. Um, And and I just don't know if Ilhan Omar really holds those ideas dear. I know that she talks about them and her and the squad uh, do a great job of talking about those issues. But um, on the back end, uh, underneath the surface and, and really right out in the open, the same globalists that undermine American citizenship are their supporters. They are the people that fund their uh, their campaigns, that fund their lives, that fund them being sort of these these characters for the Democratic platform.
2: So help us understand why you can win in such a heavily Democratic district. That is what gives me pause or concern is like, man that district is overwhelmingly democratic why can you flip that district
3: well well, number one i have faith in god real faith and and i have faith in in the ability of of a message inspired by god that that follows god and and being able to take that ministry into the belly of the beast of any beast and be transformative so so that's first and foremost um however from a social standpoint Through my lived experience, I understand that there are many people who are tacit Democrats, who are Democrats culturally, and and black people in this country, by and large, I believe, are cultural Democrats. Um, We've been sort of hoodwinked and tricked into believing that we should vote Democrats solely on the basis that Democrats are a race-friendly party and the Republicans are racist. I know that's not be true. You know, that's not be true. Um, but many black people really believe that. And, um, th- you know, th- they're not privy to institutions like the Federal Reserve. They're not privy to what the CCP means. They're not privy to the idea of globalism or or the great reset or build back better. Um, you know, when you hear a guy like Klaus Schwab say you're going to own nothing but be happy. In, in my genetic coding, all I hear is. Uh, you're going to be a slave, 2.0. And I think a lot of black people don't even understand the scope of some of these issues. And and I think that's where we can be transformative. The black community here uh, does have a huge cultural effect because the Democrats have chosen to use black people in the black community uh, as the bandwagon or the front for intersectionality, which is their grift to get people to vote uh, in blind faith. And I think black people are a microcosm of the same grift that they're running on all people who just blindly vote Democrat. I think a lot of the people in my generation, you know, these millennial serfs, don't understand that the great reset in globalism is an economic attack on them. And and the mainstream establishment that be mainstream media, social media, have all done well to keep that facade up in, in the in the content that's distributed.
2: Obviously, uh part of the fearless show. And and what we're trying to accomplish is to tap black people on the shoulder and say, hey, man, there's a a whole different way of looking at this thing. And that's why I'm glad to have you on the show. And I want to continue to have you on the show as you go through this process. But the other thing you've clearly tapped into is the mentorship of, of Steve Bannon. How involved was he in your decision making to get involved in this? How involved will he be in your campaign?
3: I hold Steve in a very high regard. Uh, I think he's one of the, the best political minds uh, anywhere on earth right now. And and he's a brilliant, a brilliant guy. I know him to be kind hearted. I know him to be very caring and loving and to have a deep affection for this country. Um, and he, he was very instrumental in encouraging me that I had the ability to be able to pull this off and, and that there was real value to me being involved in politics. And, and obviously as far as politics go again, uh, he's as great a mind that we have I hope that he's going to be involved in the campaign a lot. I take his. I'm very grateful for his mentorship and his friendship, um, but but Steve has done enough in my view. He's an American hero, and you know um, his generation is is sort of responsible for this mess, right? This this post World War II boomer globalist kind of you know uh, agenda. Um, and he stepped in and, and stood in the breach and, and fought back against something that his generation is greatly responsible for. But it's not his burden to carry alone. And and uh, he has done enough to set me on the path. And I'm going to pick up the torch and, I, and I'm going to carry it home.
2: Royce, when did you first start contemplating the idea of getting involved in politics? Was this something that crossed your mind? You come from a very... Uh, interesting, fascinating, uh, high achieving family. Was this something you thought about as a kid? And, and, and then when did the possibility of running against Elon Omar, when did that really crystallize, formulate in your mind? How long have you been pondering this?
3: People have always um, hinted that I should consider getting involved in politics. And, and I want to tell you a story here now, just, just because we're good friends and, and the Fearless Army I hold dear as well. Um, as a young adult, when I first came onto the scene, right, and I was advocating about mental health and mental health policy, I sort of viewed myself as above the political fray because I saw the psychological and, and mental health as much, much deeper uh, rooted in, in humanity than, than the political. Uh, and so my my disposition was very apolitical. However, I was still pandering it, it, to a liberal establishment, to a, an overwhelming liberal ethos. And if you go back and you watch my interviews early on in 2013, 14, even as recent as 2017, 18, I was using a voice, right? And I didn't even know it. It took me to go back before this campaign really kicked off and that that my tone was different I wasn't different on the details of the issues, but the actual tone that I used was trying to pander to an establishment, which I was trying to bring a very uncomfortable truth to and challenge the status quo. And as sort of a defense mechanism, I uh, I wanted to use a voice that catered to liberal white women, let's just say, you know, to, to be blunt. Um, and And it took me to write my thoughts down, to get them ordered, to, look at what I had gone through, through the scope of politics. And then I realized that I was gravely mistaken, that the psychological isn't removed and can't be removed from the political because when the political ideology is potent, it has a profound impact on the psychological. And what I was actually exhibiting in my voice that I was trying to do to pander to liberal white women was was letting my anxiety take hold of, of my spirit. I was letting my anxiety and fear take hold of of who I was portraying externally in the world around me. And that is the crisis of our time. And that is the crisis of liberalism. And when I realized it, when I went back and saw it, and when I wrote my thoughts down, uh, it became clear that that we can no longer have this dereliction of duty around the political arena. The best minds, the best people, those who are fit, have to step into this arena and and fight for this country, or else we'll lose it.
2: So, I wanna take your comment and and, and kind of circle back to something you, you said earlier about black people and this whole democratic thing. Everything I heard you say just reminds me of we've been brainwashed into believing that blackness is democrat, that that a political ideology is what it means to be black i think that's incredibly unhealthy i think there's two parts to that one we should quit taking our identity in skin color that's what bigots wanted us to do 200 300 years ago and so clearly we should take our identity in christ but i just wanted to or or what connected it to your comments earlier how in your mind how did we become brainwashed into believing that liberalism and being being democrat are the embodiment of being black
3: well we got scammed i mean it's just really that simple I, i think we and especially in this neoliberal era, and I say when I say neoliberal, a lot of people go, well, there is no neoliberal. Liberals have always been that way. But what I mean is, in this this very high tech, uh, high speed societal era, which is filled with uh, quick, short turnaround messaging and content, let's say, right? Um, in in this era, we have lost our sense of time, and because we've lost lost our sense of time we are not able to easily go back in time and rectify all of the social ills that that sort of preempted our allegiance to Democrats. And so we came out of an era of slavery and then segregation, um, you know, where there was a more explicit racial animus systemically in things like voting, education, and, and the list goes on. And there was a turning point in the 1960s and in the 1970s and the 1980s where the racial animus had fallen away in in great respects, especially when it, you know, in comparison to what we had just come from. And in that time period, globalist agendas that took identity politics, used them to both hijack black people's support, but also use black people as the calling card because we were so close to a time where the racial animus was so high. And that was your neo-feminist movement and the LGBTQ movement. Um, and, and so those two movements saw an opportunity to homogenize the black community into their efforts um, and then promoted it as human welfare and human rights, but really it was just globalist in nature. And, and when I say it was just globalist, I'm not trying to say that there's not an ongoing battle for civil or human rights. What I'm saying is that there is a very uh, elusive, very deceptive enemy that knows to hide the greatest truths behind the biggest lies. And, and the greatest truth behind the biggest lie with globalism is that it's not an attempt to, to bring citizens a better way of life. It's an attempt to destroy borders, to, to undermine, the, undermine the citizenship of, of individual citizens in countries through an economic attack on the nation state. Um, and 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 ultimately I think the, the 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 real ultimate spirit behind it is that it's anti-human uh, and, and that it's it's um, you know it's about dominance and control and world power um, and, and I don't think that I think people hear that and they go well that's a conspiracy it's like they're not hiding this they think there's too many people on this planet to maintain or sustain a long-term uh, unequaled, unequaled dispersion, or let's say a predatory sort of economic template. Uh, And that's what Steve Bannon has been able to articulate so well that the elites have done around the world. And they're using human rights and civil rights and racism and misogyny and homophobia and transphobia and xenophobia um, as as a three card Monty and as a shield to keep people in on the game. And, and many people have voted and purchased against their own rights in that regard. And, and some of us are here to blow the whistle. I'm not going to stand for it. I'm not going to participate in it.
2: So, Royce, I think people that watch the show, people listening to you today, I think everybody understands your worldview, your point of view, uh, your ideas. Give us a couple of the policies that you will be trying to uh, run for office on and push if you make it to Congress, if you're able to win, give us a couple of policy initiatives that are a high priority for Royce White.
3: I think America first has to be our first priority. And, and when I say America first, I mean the first order of business is to decouple ourselves from a China dependency. I see if, if we're gonna have a constitution um, that, that is based on these values of human rights, human welfare, freedom, justice, Democracy, a constitutional republic, then we cannot be dependent on a nation that doesn't believe in any of these ideas. And not only do they not believe in these ideas, they are our explicit enemy. They are counter to these ideas. And and I think what China is doing right now is is sitting back uh, with a grin on their face, mocking the West, mocking the United States, and and watching us, watching, uh, having fun watching us burn slowly um, in, in our own devices. So. Um, We have to decouple ourselves from China um, and and we have to take a strong, strong look at education on a fundamental level. Uh, I think, like I said before to you on the show, um, we have to sort out how much crime in this country is from an inherent criminal nature and how much is this sort of philosophical and moral bankruptcy that has proliferated. Uh, uh, on top of a, a radical, materialistic society, right? How much of it is this look away from the corporatocracy to say, hey, we want you to continue to consume. We want you to go along to get along. we like you to be sheep. We don't want you to critically think. And if, and if crime, high crime rates, let's say in black communities, is a byproduct of that, then that's something that we hire our police and pay them shitty, shitty uh, wages to deal with. And when the time comes, we'll throw those police under the bus as well, because that's a part of the, that's a part of the deal. Um, and, and all of it ultimately is, is another way to exert control. Um, and so I'm very interested, and I, and I believe wholly that the black community has a real destiny in, in bringing this country up, uh, or, or let's say now saving this country. I think the black community has been a ball and chain on America. Uh, and not all by our own devices, not all of our own making, but if black if black nationalism, the idea of black nationalism is on its way to American nationalism. And I would much rather have a black community or a culture, a prominent black culture in America that believes in black nationalism, other than this sellout to the CCP mentality that we have now from the top down.
2: Royce, uh, how can people, support and help you in Minneapolis to win this election?
3: Uh, You know, our our campaign website is RoyceWhite.us. You can go there and you can sign up to, you know, get email alerts, volunteer, donate. Um, you know, donating would be great, but but anything is is supportive actually. and and you know, we're in a, for a dog fight, right? We know that the district's been blue for forty years. We think the time is right if there's ever been a time to to go in and challenge that seat. um and and ultimately, though, we're taking a ministry of Christ and God and truth. Into the, belly of a be- into the belly of the beast, where people have been lied to, manipulated, and misled. And, and that's a fight that has to happen, irregardless of how uh, what the result is come November. We have to be interested and committed to fighting the fights that need fighting, regardless of the result. I'm an athlete. Um, we don't play games that we only know we can win. That's not competition. And the political arena is, is competitive. So we're going to go on and do the best we can, and I hope people can support how they can.
2: Royce, thank you so much for the time. We will obviously be checking in with you and uh, giving you a platform to speak uh, to a national audience and people in Minneapolis. Thank you so much. Good luck to you. It's very brave and courageous what you're doing. Uh, We're rooting for you, and this fearless army needs to jump behind and support Royce. All right, Steve Bannon is going to join us Royce was good, almost as good as Good Ranchers. You have a problem, a meat problem? Our friends over at Good Ranchers will help solve your meat problem. They only sell 100% American meat sourced from local American farms. You'll get beef that's USDA prime and upper choice, chicken that's better than organic, and premium seafood. Good Ranchers delivers steakhouse quality food right to you in the comfort of your own home. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com fearless today to have delicious American meals, on your table. Order now with the code fearless to get $25 off your box. Now is the time to support American farms and ranches. They're hurting and you're hungry. Solve both of those problems with a box of American meat. Go to goodrancherscom slash fearless. Good ranchers, American meat delivered. And you guys know, my favorite sponsor, you know I love Good Ranchers, and so should you. If you're a loyal, fearless soldier, if you believe in this country, you need to be supporting Good Ranchers. All right, Steve Bannon. Well, speaking of patriots and patriotic uh, things, I just told you about Good Ranchers, now I want to tell you about a, a real patriot, Steve Bannon. You guys know him as the former chief strategist for the Trump administration, kind of the mastermind of the 2016 insurrection. That was the real insurrection, and it was a positive, and it was a good thing. Uh, Steve Bannon masterminded that, of course. He's now the host of a very popular podcast called The War Room. Uh, He's now being blamed for the fake insurrection that allegedly happened on January the 6th. Uh, but he's also a friend and mentor to Royce White, who we just heard from, encouraged Royce uh, to get involved in politics and and to run against Elon Omar. Uh, Steve Bannon, uh, welcome to the Fearless Army and the Fearless Show, it's an honor to have you. Uh, Let's start here. What do you see in Royce White? Why did you encourage him to get involved in politics?
0: Well, first off, Jason, it's a great honor to, to be here with you and also with your audience. Uh, you, you guys are incredible uh, and real patriots. Uh, thank you for the kind words, although I was just a, 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 a small cog in, in, in helping the greatest candidate I think we had since Reagan win the White House in 16. And Royce is, is kind of like the reason I was so drawn to Trump, and particularly in those years of Breitbart when I was the uh, executive um, uh, chairman. Uh, and really getting back of the Trump and the Trump campaign and the Trump movement. Uh, I see in Royce uh, the, the the entrepreneurial spirit and the kind of courage, I keep saying courage is contagious. And I think Royce White is a, is a man who has a searing uh, intellect about some of the core issues of the day. I remember during the George Floyd, the, the tragic George Floyd situation when Royce, the first time I kind of seen Royce outside of sports when he led that march to the Federal Reserve. And I heard him talk, and I said, wow, this guy really gets it at a deep level. i followed his writing since then. I was introduced by uh, my former partner, Jeff Quatnitz, uh, who I was one of the partners at the firm when Jeff had the management agency, and Jeff's one of the owners with Cube of uh, the Big Three League. And I just watched Royce. I got introduced to him. It turned out Royce had been a a long-term follower of my talks and writings, particularly populism. I mean, Royce White I think is what we need right now. I mean, he's a, and this is why I have encouraged him to try elective politics, because he actually understands at a very deep level, some of the most fundamental and basic problems in the country right now, particularly economically and financially, that you just don't hear talked about. And he's got tremendous, not just physical presence, but he's a man of courage. And that's what we need right now. We need courageous leaders who are prepared to step in and step up and sacrifice, and and his whole life has been one of sacrifice. So I just, I can't think of a a better man uh, to step into the arena.
2: I know you're used to taking on incredible odds because in 2014 or 15, no, Donald Trump president, you're crazy. But Royce White taking on Elon Omar in a district according to Partisan Voting Index is Democrat plus 26, Yeah. can, can, is, can he flip
0: that, is, is, how, can, how can he do it? We just saw, if you look at all the underlying analysis that's come out and the polling is coming out, now they're talking about the kind of MAGA movement or this populist movement in this midterm election getting up to 50% or maybe over the Hispanic vote. And if you're looking down, Jason, in the Rio Grande Valley, the early voting, in Texas right now, the McAllen paper, which is kind of the capital of the Rio Grande Valley, had tremendous early voting for Republican candidates from working class Hispanics. In South Texas, the same thing. You're seeing analysis now, Rasmussen had a poll that African-Americans, that blacks in the country, 33 percent favor the generic ballot for Republicans. The minority community, whether it's Chinese-Americans, African-Americans, Hispanics, understand they're getting the end of the stick and they're being lied to by these globalists. And these elitists, and the guys who run wall street the people who run the corporations the ones who run the government you know th- there's no bigger group of deplorables uh than african americans they serve in the military they're very patriotic they traditionally have very i come from the south and i come from an all black or virtually not all black but a predominantly black neighborhood in the north side of richmond they're very patriotic very family oriented very conservative in their core values They've just been sold a bill of goods about kind of economic policies that the Democrats have proposed. I think Roy White cuts through all that. It is a D plus 20-some uh, 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 district. However, in this election, I think you're going to see D 8s and 10s actually fall. The Hill today said, we're expanding the map every day. And specifically about Royce White, it's, it's really against Omar. I mean, Omar represents so many things that are outside the mainstream of what people think and people believe. And Royce white is a, is, a, is a patriot he's a he's a man of uh, Christ he's a uh, he's a leader he's overcome tremendous obstacles look Royce white is not perfect uh, I'm not perfect Donald Trump's not perfect there has' there's been one perfect individual in, uh, on this planet and that's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ everybody else as we know from the New Testament is fallen Royce white is not a perfect individual he's the first to admit that but he's a man of integrity, and he's a man of courage. And that's why I think if anybody's ever to take on Omar, and can you imagine Royce White with his knowledge of economics, his no- knowledge of globalism, the courage he stood up to the shoe companies, the courage he stood up to the NBA, the courage he stood up to the media companies about the Uyghurs, his fight for an oppressed people, half a global way, can you imagine him on a debate stage with Omar? It, it'd, be, uh, it'd be like Alien versus Predator. This would be a heavyweight title fight. And, uh, and I can't wait to see it because I think that he is the one candidate of all these other really good candidates out there. I think that Royce White, because of his deep understanding of globalism and his deep understanding of populism, because I think he's one of the leading thinkers right now in the populist movement and advocates for populism, I think, it'd be a, I think he's the perfect candidate to go up against Omar. Remember, he's fifth generation Minnesota. He's a product of the Twin Cities. I mean, this is a son of Minnesota. And I think it's going to be quite, I think it's going to be fascinating. I think he's mesmerizing on the campaign trail when he steps up and he comes on the war room. Audience loves this guy. Absolutely electrifying. Always speaks with gravitas, always talks about serious topics. It's all signal with him, not noise. So I I look forward to Royce White being in the middle of this.
2: Steve, uh, I I want to transition here a little bit. It's still connected to Royce, but I'm someone who has never voted. I'm uh, very apolitical, very hostile towards politicians. But what has happened here in the last decade and how I'm seeing the race angle being used, manipulated, black people being bullied, white people being bullied by the smear of being called racist, being called racist, has opened my eyes and, and, and what I've come to understand, like this is a battle of good versus evil. And, and I can't just sit on the sidelines. And there is one side, I don't, you know, again, I think all politicians tend to be greedy. I think all politicians, politicians tend to be corrupt. The thing I like about Royce, he's, he's a basketball player. He's not a politician. The thing that attracted me about Trump, not a politician. But, but the question I really wanted to ask you is that I think this whole race agenda by the Democrats is the only thing they really have to offer. I'm trying to disrupt it on this show and explain to black people like, hey, we're being used by the Democratic Party to bully white people into not being Republican or being ashamed with the whole race card angle. I think this is the new, they called it the Southern strategy or whatever back then. This is, the Democratic strategy is purely based on race and I want to disrupt it and that's why I'm rooting for Royce White. Do, do, Do you see, I think it's completely central to the destruction of America, this race strategy, race-based strategy, the Democrats in bed with China are using. Am I right on that?
0: Well, it, not only I think you're right. I think it's the, 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 the basis for a, 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 a rejuvenation or a renaissance in America. I don't think black people believe this anymore. I think it's completely thrown out there by the media. It's, it's, it's just nonstop as far as propaganda or gaslighting. But, uh, you know, African-Americans are, are have tremendous common sense and are very smart. And I think they just look around and they see basic economics. You know, um, you know Obama was the most progressive president in American history. Yet to, to solve for the equation of the, of the financial crisis of 2008, the Federal Reserve just jacked up the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve and took care of the 1%. We had the greatest concentration of wealth in the history of the nation during those eight years. And, and who is the primary group? That was affected. It was African-Americans. Their net worth actually went down on, on a progressive president. Then when when COVID Trump reversed those policies with these with the great policies for limiting immigration and focusing on working class people where wages are going up with no no inflation. But then when COVID, the CCP virus hit, we had another situation at this debt, a situation to save the one percent. African-American working-class and middle-class African-Americans have been getting the short end of the stick. It's The math could not be more compelling. And my point is that there's a way out of here, and that is populist economic nationalist policy, starting with very tight restrictions on immigration. Right now, think about it for a second, Jason. We have an entire education system based upon STEM, science, technology, engineering, math. If you go to the schools, they teach the test. The kids don't get the art. They don't get the gym they used to get, because you've got to teach the test. Well, you have a very low percentage of African-Americans in our engineering schools, in our, cons- in our computer science programs, and almost nobody in Silicon Valley. Why is that? Because the h b visas, we allow the world to come in and compete. I'm a very restrictionist on immigration policy, simply for the fact, we have enough talent here in the United States. We need to get more Hispanics, we need to get more African-Americans in our engineering schools, in our computer science, in these technology jobs of the fourth industrial, revolution, what they call the fourth industrial revolution, it is all out there before us. And let me say another thing: that you see all the Democrats, you see Joy Ann Reed every night bow- pounding the drum for war in these eastern pro- East Russian-speaking provinces of eastern Ukraine. I'm saying, hey, if we took the defense to budget, it's almost a trillion dollars. I was like 850 billion dollars. We were spending 50 billion dollars a year in Afghanistan. If I took that 50 billion dollars a year, we were squandering in Afghanistan. and just took half of it, $25 billion a year. One year, I put it in East St. Louis. And next year, I put it in Baltimore. And next year, I put it in Detroit. These cities would have a renaissance of manufacturing jobs, manufacturing and value-added jobs that people could get a decent a decent salary from, a, de- a decent wage from. I mean, look at look at George Floyd when he died. George Floyd had COVID in him. He had fentanyl in him. He had all the Chinese Communist Party drugs they brought up here through the through, through the southern border. He didn't have access to a great job because all the manufacturing had been shipped overseas by Wall Street. This is what Royce White preaches. Royce White cuts to the heart of the dilemma. We've shipped the industrial base overseas to, 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 to have the slave labor of the Chinese people, which the whole system is based upon, take the jobs. You can't get decent wages here. There's no manufacturing jobs. People don't have great jobs. They don't have access to opportunity. They don't have access to careers. The black community, particularly black men, and they're waking up to the fact there's something wrong with this. And, 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 And just being captured by the Democratic Party is not leading to solutions. And so, like Trump said, what the hell do you have to lose? This is why you're seeing Royce White and some of the most impressive candidates we have now are Hispanics in the Rio Grande Valley and African-American men and women stepping up, whether they're com- their moms are coming up against uh, the CRT and the poison being put into the kids and the, and the transgender agenda in the school, or fighters like Royce White saying, hey, look, the Federal Reserve's destroying us. The concentration of wealth is destroying us. So, look, we're winning. We're saying ascend- this inclusive nationalism, this expansionary populism is the future. And that's why the Royce Whites are going to be the tip of the spear, and I couldn't be happier that you're seeing candidates all over. Candidates that are not part of your grandfather's Republican Party are now coming as part of the Trump movement. MAGA, deplorables in America first.
2: Steve, and, and you tell me because you're the expert. The, the one thing I didn't hear you hammer, and, and to me it, it's what I would hammer, but I'm no expert. I've seen white parents get energized by the critical race theory situation. They're showing up at school board meetings. They're like, hey, this is crazy. You're not going to demonize us. The issue that I think is similar for black people, and particularly in Minnesota, uh, but, but across the country. Because I, I see all these people on TV, uh, particularly black people that went to Ivy League schools. I don't know if they've ever spent any time in the inner city. I have, but my father's business was there, his home was there, it was my favorite place on earth. This defund the police and demonization of police and the violence it has set off in the inner cities has terrified black people, and I think that's an issue that could be hammered, that like people, because. Not to discredit, and I'm not. But even for me, when you start talking about the Federal Reserve, I got to go to Google and start researching some of the things you, you're saying and get a full understanding. But when you talk about like the Bloods and the Crips, the gangster disciples are actually running our neighborhoods and communities. I get that instinctively. I've had friends shot uh, pe- close to my mom's home, the, my aunt's neighborhood, all that. The, the violence that the Democrats have unleashed in this country, I think, is an issue everybody gets and every, it, it will make people get up and change what the, their voting behavior because one side is trying to legalize all of this.
0: Well, Look, you're right. With the anarchy in New York City and uh, in Philadelphia, Chicago, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, you saw they're trying to recall these source-based prosecutors are trying to reverse the defund the police. It's a huge issue. Basic law and order. And particularly, it's all visited. Remember, the, the anarchy and the chaos is visited on the minority community because they're, they're the ones that are there. They're the ones being preyed upon. It's It's a huge issue. I think that this issue, also along with, remember, one of the most hesitant groups of all, Brightly for the vaccine where African American, particularly African American men. You've got the vaccine mandates, you've got the mass mandates, you've got the defund the police, you've got the social anarchy, you've got the, the whole chaos in the schools where they're not teaching education but they're using it ideologically. You've got this whole situation with the gendered fluidity. The conservative, uh, the, the conservative nature of the African American family community is just not gonna tolerate, it's gonna be huge. And, and, and Jason, here's the point. This November, we have a unique once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to destroy the Democratic Party as it exists today. It, 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 can, it will shred if we do our job and we have this inclusive nationalism and this expansionist populism and a law and order, basic let's focus on jobs and stopping inflation uh, you know, program, we can get a hundred seat majority in the House that will not be, cannot be overturned for 25, 30, 40, 50 years or more. To do, that shatters the Democratic Party into a group of like the like the progressive wing with the Omars of the world, the AOCs, this kind of like the Green Party, plus this centrist party that's really the neoliberal neocons, and then you would have a a center right populist nationalist party. That's what Royce White uh, represents. A core part of that is clearly law and order. It's it's the underpinnings in a civic society. That citizens – I mean look in L.A. One of the great examples I've used in the show, the the nurse, the African-American nurse who who would go into the emergency room, work extra hours, 70 years old, beaten to death at a bus stop that she went to every year for like 50 years, beaten to death at a bus stop by some common criminal, right? And you see these stories every day and they're heartwarming. But I I think that that is why you are seeing the Royce Whites of the world, some of these very powerful outspoken candidates that are – Men and women of principle, men and women of courage, and men and women of conviction are starting to step up and step forward.
2: Steve, I, 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 they can deplatform me. I, I say this in all seriousness. They can crucify, they can assassinate me. I will never not say that there was something screwy about the 2020 election. I don't deplatform me, kill me, do whatever, put me in jail. I don't think the 2020 election was fair. I don't, you don't have to comment on that. How, why are you so confident or why should we be confident that this 2022 midterm thing is going to go the way the polling and all the momentum says it should? I'm fearful, like, could, could they do it again? Why should I be confident?
0: Look at Virginia. Look at the Commonwealth of Virginia as an example. We had 95 percent participation from people who volunteered to be poll watchers and poll workers and be election officials inside the room. Look, it's absolutely the Democrats, the way they win is by stealing it. Either Mark Elias does some uh, voodoo with the election law so that you can have these uh, unchallenged and these non-chain of custody uh, mail-in ballots. Or they do something with redistricting or, or, or something to get ballots of non-citizens and multiple ballots of non-citizens in there to be counted. This is 100 percent on us. If we don't get the machines out, it looks like we're not going to be able to. This comes down to the Commonwealth. Virginia had 95 percent participation and we had a fair election. OK, the year it, in the presidential race, only 33 percent participation in, in, in poll workers and poll watchers. The last gubernatorial race, only 25 percent. This is why every day we're, we're harping on this every day and the left's going crazy. We are we are in back of these secretaries of state, but most importantly for this election, to get people that are poll workers, poll watchers, election officials in the room to do the count. If you're not in the room doing the count, they will try to steal it. That is a, as sure as the turning of the earth. And it's gonna to come down, to, this is human action, human agency, and we can't whine about it. This is what we have to do. And you have to do by volunteering. The campaigns have to get, uh, have to get uh, election officials look the Trump campaign with all the stealing that went on and and, and the way that the Mark these guys telegraphed it they told us what they were going to do the, the 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 team around president Trump to close on the victory let's be honest drop the ball president Trump I think would admit that that's why they were in the situation we're in elections have consequences stolen elections have catastrophic consequences in 22 before we get the machines out that's going to take a while It's going to come down to individuals, whether it's in Minneapolis, whether it's in Chicago, Tennessee, Alabama. It's going to come from your audience, the people over at the blaze war room, patriotic, grassroots people of every uh, every denomination, every color. Right. Every ethnicity volunteering to get in the room and count these votes. If we do that, we're going to close on 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 a fair election and, and the Commonwealth of Virginia should be a great example of what people did, put their shoulder to the wheel, and we had a, we had a fair election down there, and we can do it again. It's gonna to be tough. It's gonna to be a lot of work.
2: You used a phrase, I, first time I'd heard it, and I'm wondering if it's gonna be a phrase I'm gonna hear more and more. Inclusive nationalism. I, I love that phrase. I, I love that thought. Is that, you know, we've kinda of demonized nationalism, and I think it's wrong. And and I love what you're, is this something you see the Republican Party talking about like, hey, we wanna be inclusive in our
0: nationalism. I, I, I just love that phrase. The Republican Party as the party? No, you don't. But you see in the MAGA movement, the America first in places place like War Room. And, and we understand because we study deeply what the left's doing. The thing they fear the most, and a lot of their writers will tell you this is when people understand that populism and nationalism can be and must be inclusive. And, and you're seeing this take place. You're seeing this in the Rio Grande Valley. You're seeing this in South Texas. You're seeing them on the Hispanic vote that Trump did so well in 2020, and we're doing better today. You're starting to see it. At the Rasmussen poll. Look, if the Rasmussen poll is correct, and 33% of African Americans will vote for a generic Republican right now versus a Democrat, American politics changes forever. That, that's the power of the African American community as far as voting goes, okay? This is a tectonic shift, Jason, potentially greater than 1932, and we have to be inclusive because nationalism is inclusive. Remember, nationalism doesn't care about you, and populism doesn't care about your race, it doesn't care about your ethnicity, it doesn't care about your religion, it doesn't care about your sexual preference. It cares about one thing. Are you an American citizen? As an American citizen, we understand you have obligations to serve in the military, to pay your taxes. OK. But American citizenship has to have some premium value. And right now it doesn't. The deplorables, the working class in this country essentially pay the taxes and they also keep the country going as far as the military goes. And also what Burke called the underpinnings of civic society, coaching the little <coughs> kids, building the churches, going to the Kiwanis Club, everything that is America, the self-organizing entity that is America. It's on the shoulders of the deplorables. What we have to do now is have a nationalism that is inclusive, inclusive of American citizens. That you get a special deal because you have all these obligations. And the special deal is, we're not gonna flood the zone with foreign labor to to decrease your labor. We're not gonna continue to print money to devalue your dollars. We're not gonna sit there and have policies allow a concentration of wealth to the detriment of you that you're paying for. Because remember, all the deficits are paid for by the working class. Inclusive nationalism. And this kind of expansionary populism is the political wave of the future. And it's something that the cultural left cannot cannot stop. And once you get the economic policies right for the minority community, which is really simple, it's not socialism, it's the opposite. It's a piece of the action. It's better wages because we have a more restrictive labor force. It's better wages because you have better training and opportunities, right? It's 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 ownership and actually a carry you have a carried interest in America, not just the hedge fund guys have a carried interest in the fund. You as a citizen have a carried interest. You have an economic participation in the growth of this economy. Once those policies become clear, we are two thirds of the nation. We're 70% of the nation. That's why I tell people on the right, why are you sitting there saying, insurrection, civil war, forget that we're breaking the country up, going in different directions. We control the country. We just have to understand we control the country. And that's what this great awakening is about. And you're seeing it now And the elites, and by the way, the Ivy League elites, they all think the same. What you see on cable TV most of the time is pro wrestling. It's not the thing itself. And this is why I really admire Royce, who gets down to so many core, core basic issues. But inclusive nationalism will be two thirds of 70% of the the voting population. And once that starts to hit the polls this November, you're gonna see a changed America. And that's why I keep telling people, we're going through very turbulent times but the sunlit uplands are just ahead of us we just got to keep working so
2: after i got over my bitterness about the 2020 election my thought went to hey if 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 trump the positive is if you remove trump from the left's every answer to every question, every problem. Anytime you get in a debate with them, they just Trump, 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 Trump. If you remove Trump, they're gonna actually have to defend their positions. And I knew it would fall apart. And I'm looking at people like Bill Maher. He's hosting a show every Friday that, whew, I mean, it's my favorite show on TV. I've always liked it, but like now, it's like my favorite show on TV. And so I'm one. That leads me to the point: Is Trump the right candidate for 2024? Has he already played his role by opening our eyes and energizing people? Uh, because if you put Trump back into the equation, will the left just go Trump, 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 Trump again, and it'll be a repeat of what we've already seen?
0: Jason, I think there's a phrase in the military that the amateurs think of strategy and professionals think of logistics about the winning of wars. Uh, Here, I would tell everybody, we have to be maniacally focused on the midterms, and here's why. The founders set it up that the the House of uh, Representatives, what we call Congress, not the Senate, the House, has such extraordinary powers over taxing, appropriations, investigations, all of it. It is really a power node in our, in our separation of power government. It is massively important that we maniacally focus on getting a 50, 60, 70, 100 seat majority there, that we can actually take the reins of government and, and thwart the Biden administration in its tracks, but also start to t- turn things around. In 2024, the only thing I tell people, and I, obviously I pride myself in on being one of the biggest proponents mm-hmm. of President Trump. Here's the reality. Show me right now when the guys talk about twenty twenty four, and I hate discussing before twenty two. But I say, show me a Republican out there that can get seventy five million votes. Seventy five million votes. I, I, I know all these guys. There's some pretty impressive people. I really like a lot of them. They're nice guys, nice men and women. Seventy five million votes. Donald Trump. And to me, I keep saying it, so it's just like in fighting. You, you, you until you, you can't be the champ. Until you beat the champ. And so far, Trump is the head of our movement. He's the head of America First. He's, and look, he's a very imperfect instrument. And Donald Trump, when you get to know him, is the first to admit that. All the stuff about him being a narcissist and egomaniac, Donald Trump understands his place in history. Like I said, he didn't have to do this, Jason. He was buying up golf courses, Turnberry, to be in the open road up. In 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 the in the role in ancient right in, in the Open Championship, he was starting to buy courses here, looked at courses that could either host major championships like the PGA or maybe USGA events. He was worth you know billions of dollars, a lovely family, a beautiful wife. He did this because he understood that the country, and particularly, would be accelerated with the Clinton Mafia coming in and winning in '16. He changed the direction of American history, and to me. We're in the middle of a fourth turning. We're in the middle of a fight right now. Every day is a fight for the direction of this country, and it's not a foregone conclusion what side's going to win and what side's going to lose. Coming from where we were after the stolen election on on January twentieth, and to fight back like we have for those who stood in the breach, yes, we can see we can see how we can get to massive victories in the future. But you've got to struggle. In twenty four, unless somebody can beat the champ, he's the champ. And unless somebody can show me they can get 75 million votes and, hey, I was there in 16, you know, cheek by jowl. I know how tough this is. Unless somebody shows me how tough they are, how focused they are, how what leadership and courage they are. I'm saying Trump is in a class by himself. There's a lot of people, I think, coming up that in the future. But right now, when you talk about 24, I haven't seen them and I know them all. And there's some good people, but they're not in 2024. In 2024, we got to we have to win. In, in November, I think impeach Joe Biden. We're not going to remove him from office, but holding him accountable for the invasion of the southern border, for instigating the situation in East Ukraine, uh, for what he's done with the suppression of the COVID information. What's all going to come out here uh, in the next few months, I think, from, from CDC, as the New York Times reports. It's all of that. And then focus on 2024. I think Trump's the guy for right now.
2: Here's the thing I loved about your answer was the first part of it, because what I think part of what your argument is like, hey, let's see how this looks after the midterm elections before I make any proclamations about what we should do in 2024. And that's a fair point. I I agree. It could look so different that he may be the ideal candidate after these midterms. Let me ask you this, then, about the midterms, because, man, you're really giving me hope, and I I needed hope, because I've been very cynical about where we're at. Let's say things go well in November. Will any of this impact the political prisoners they took and have locked up in dungeons over January the 6th? Will this potentially provide them some relief and justice?
0: I think you'll see a whole new way to govern. And I think if you watch Marjorie Taylor Greene or Gates have been on our show or others is that the House of Representatives, every committee will be turned into an oversight committee. We're going to hold this illegitimate regime. And that's what it is Biden's an illegitimate regime. We're going to hold them accountable for every action they've done, every email, every text message, every meeting they've had. We're going to get to the bottom. Of how we had the invasion of the southern border, the fiasco in Afghanistan, the disaster that is the runaway inflation, all of it, right? And part of that's clearly, and you heard Marjorie Taylor Greene; she doesn't want to shut down the January Sixth Committee. She wants to, she wants to take it and make it bigger, but start to focus on the FBI's involvement in this, uh, government agencies' involvement in this. Remember, in Michigan, in Michigan, of the the kidnapping of of Governor Whitmer, which was such a big deal in October of uh, 2020, right before the election. 12 of the original 18 people arrested were either government assets or government agents, either FBI informants or government agents. 12 of the 18, the original. This shows you the level of involvement that the federal government and, and law enforcement have had in infiltrating these things, and that's all got to come out. So yes, I think that, look, President Trump's been adamant about this in sort of ways that, look, if you did actual criminal activity on the 6th which I think was ridiculous in the first place, even to do any of that, because we had the opportunity that Pence had done his job to send the electors, not to overturn the election, never said anything about overturning election, to send the electors that were questioned by the state legislatures in places like Pennsylvania and places like Arizona and places like Georgia, reverse them, revert them back to Wisconsin, let them review it, okay? I think you would see they could not certify the Biden electors, because of confusion of the mail-in ballots, which were just ruled unconstitutional in Pennsylvania uh, 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 appeals court, unconstitutional, all 2.6 million. Since you couldn't certify the Biden electors, it gets kicked into the House of Representatives by the Constitution and the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And it doesn't vote by person. It votes by state party delegation. The Republicans control 27 of those state parties. Donald Trump would have been elected president 27 to 23 by the House of Representatives. I laid that out on Showtime's The Circus on September 29th of 2020. It's on, it was on a commercial they cut. Exact plan. And so, yes, some of the people have been absolutely political prisoners. Not to be charged for months, to be kept in those barbaric conditions. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to any prisoner. As Marjorie Taylor Greene will tell you, the D.C. jail itself – is not acceptable for any of the prisoners down there, much less the political prisoners. So, Jason, what, we have to focus first on redistricting and making sure people get out and making sure that the people are in the, in the room itself to make sure the count is fair. We have so much work to do. But if we do our jobs, if we do our jobs, you can see the momentum in the polling, particularly Hispanics, African-Americans, Chinese-Americans are now open to this. We get a massive turnout of the MAGA movement. We have a sweeping victory, and then it's a new sheriff in town. And I think that's where you start to, let me be blunt, rip the faces off these cultural Marxist Democrats that have tried to destroy our nation.
2: All, I'm, I'm politically naive, and so I, I just want to ask about this one more time. Could we see... Any of these people that are unfairly locked up if the elections go well and over, could we see any relief, shortening of sentences, people pard? I, I don't know. Could we see Michael Byrd maybe brought up on federal charges for the assassination of Ashley Babbitt? Is any of that? A, and it, I'm passionate about this issue because I just think what's happening to these people is criminal.
0: So, and it's outrageous. Look, remember, we will control at least one one part of the legislative branch of the government we will not control the executive branch but we'll be in constant warfare with it because we have the purse strength the house of representatives has the appropriations if it's not appropriate about a house you can choke down choke down the biden administration by controlling the house appropriations process and the investigative i think you'll see intense investigations i think you'll see in the, the situation of Ashley Babbitt, I think you'll start to see potential criminal referrals on that. I think you'll see this committee totally change its focus on exactly what happened on January 6th, who knew about it, who who who, who understood what was going to happen and looked the other way. I think you'll see all that. But you'll see that, I think, from a legislative point of view from the House. We still don't control the, 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 the executive branch, obviously, and we obviously don't control the courts. Now, that being said, I think that this is going to take on a totally different direction uh, and people have had a belly full of how the prisoners have been, how the prisoners have been, have been, uh, have been treated. And it's outrageous. Look, those that did things that are demonstrably wrong should be held accountable for that. Nobody, nobody debates that. But for some of these things and the sentence and some of and so over the top is is to be crazy. And we've done as good a job as you possibly can of, of making sure those voices are heard. And and Patricia Hughes and the people that are setting up those operations and in, 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 in groups that are raising money for the lawyers, etc. So I think you'll see a total sea change. But look, Jason, this is going to come from you and from me and from others. The Republican Party officially are gutless. They don't want to touch this. Remember, courage is contagious. That's why Royce White is so important. You need somebody that has courage, physical courage and moral courage. And that's why Royce White has both, because right now, remember, the reason you were turned off in politics is because of politicians. Politicians are not just risk-averse. They're adverse to anything that requires any change. And so that's why they always run and hide. And so none of this is coming from the official Republican Party. It's coming from the grassroots MAGA and the grassroots America First Movement.
2: Steve, I could talk to you all day. I don't want to keep you forever. I know you're busy. I, I, I would—I'll I, ask this final question because you—, you you're talking about the republican party and you're talking about the inclusive nationalism of the maga movement shouldn't you why not just cut the cord and start a third party because again i, I don't i don't trust republicans I, I i i and so and and it doesn't sound like you do or or the movement does why not a third party
0: I think it's more practical. Something's talked about all the time. This is why we had this thing on the show called the precinct strategy to get people to go be precinct committeemen for free, to be part of the Republican Party. It is so time consuming to do that. It takes so many resources. And quite frankly, the voting base of the Republican Party is MAGA, that it is better, more efficient right now to try to take it over and turn it into more of a populist economic nationalist party than to try to form a a third party. Structurally, it's quite difficult. The two parties have put a lot of, as you can imagine, they've been around a long time. They know a lot of games. So at the state level, it's very cumbersome. It's also very, it costs a lot of money. And we don't have time. You know, we're in a fourth turning. We're burning daylight right now. This is urgent. And that's why what I think is an easier path for us is to get the Royce Whites to actually step forward and say, I'm prepared to run as a Republican. You know, I'm prepared to take all the incoming that I'm going to get from the uh, from the, uh, the race hustlers that have made so much money in the media, most of those are whites, right? Most of the people talking Royce White are white people, right, white progressives and white liberals. This is why it's better, all these candidates we have in the Rio Grande Valley or South Texas are now in Arizona that are Hispanic. It's, I think, easier and more effective to do that. As tough as it is to take over the party, it ain't easy. It's, it, 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 it's we have a better path there than to try to form our own party, but look, this ain't your grandfather or your father's GOP. These these uh, proposition we're putting forward. And you see this recently on what's happening in uh, in Ukraine. You know, in the old days, all the Republicans are running just back to globalism. Yeah, let's go to war and let's do that. Most of our movement are veterans. Most of our movement. You know, I served eight years as a naval officer. My daughter's a West Point grad. She served with the 101st Airborne. We are understand what the sacrifice is, and that's why we're saying, hey, we're not isolationists. But we don't want we're – not, we're not in a situation financially, morally, or economically, or militarily to get involved in border disputes in in the center of the Eurasian landmass in, in, in Russian-speaking provinces in eastern Ukraine. And so right there you're seeing a litmus test. Between your father's Republican Party, which was all like bigger defense budgets, let's go to war everywhere for the forever wars, and new thinking as led by President Trump in America First.
2: Steve, thank you so much for the time. I want to give you a big thank you for, uh, because I'm going to send this interview out to friends of mine and family and the thing I hammer them all the time with, and, and you did it naturally, not without prompting, one of the first things you talked about on the show, one of your first comments, you mentioned my two favorite words, Jesus Christ, and I keep asking uh, my friends, family, like, does the other side ever talk about Jesus Christ? Do they ever say it? Do you ever hear it on CNN? Do you ever hear it on MSNBC? I- It should tell you something, but thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for supporting Royce, and thanks for supporting our show. All right, let me tell you guys about CrowdHealth. Over 30 million Americans are without health insurance. Even with insurance, healthcare costs are out of control, but thanks to today's sponsor, CrowdHealth, you don't have to choose between rolling the dice or paying through the nose for some peace of mind. Crowd Health gives you a new way to pay for healthcare. No doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles, no surprises. Crowd Health is putting the community back in community healthcare. You pay one low monthly total to fund your account that's less than $200 a month for most people. Crowd Health helps members shop for great care at a fair price, makes payments to doctors and members as quickly as possible, and negotiates on the community's behalf when unexpected bills arise. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. Go to joincrowdhealth.com right now and get your first six months for just $99 per month by using the promo code Fearless. That's almost 50% off the normal price and a lot less than a high deductible health care plan. That's joincrowdhealth.com and use the promo code Fearless. Crowdhealth sponsor of this show and the kind of content we just gave you. If you're a fearless soldier and you need insurance, Crowdhealth. All right, Uncle Jimmy's back. And we're gonna do a approval rating on Jawan Howard and have a little discussion. Next.
1: We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and and of of this this nation. nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier. So shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. Guess who's back? Shady's back. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. Jimmy's Uncle back. Uncle Jimmy! Tell a friend. Yeah. What's good, up with you, man?
2: Good to have you back. We're not even going to get into what's been going on. It's just good to have you back. I agree with you. And, and you said
1: you, you've been sitting at home
2: watching. Wait, a lot wait, wait. Of hold on. What, what, what?
1: What, what you mean we ain't going to get into what's been going on? You said at the beginning of this show, you said, oh, this is the best show we had all week. Better than the show we had Monday. Better, I'm like, ah, oh, damn, Jason, happy to have me back. That, that that's true. But then you then you go come right out and bring out Royce White, and Royce just comes out here and just drop. I mean, drops truth bombs and just blows everybody out. He I mean he really did. But I don't know if anybody's gonna top Steve Bannon. Well, this hold on, now, let me let me get to this, if I may, if yeah. I may, because it's bad enough that Royce. W- he, he, he's been telling us for a while that he knew Steve Bannon. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if somebody said, oh man, I know Steve Bannon. <laughs> but honest to goodness, Jason, for Royce to come out here and to make this announcement on your show and to, you know, put you in his video and to actually have Steve Bannon come on your show and talk about Royce like he did in such a high regard. I gotta ask you, man, how proud are you of that brother, man? And how proud are you just right now of this It's been an outstanding show. How are you? How proud are you of that brother, man?
2: Uh, Seriously. I'm very impressed with Royce uh, because I think it takes a huge pair to get in politics right now. And, you know, it's I'm I'm going to vote. I I really feel like I'm going to make you want to do that. Yeah. just the whole what's going on in this country makes me want to do that because there are legitimate satanic forces at work in our politics and but yeah i I think what royce is doing takes a big pair i'm proud of him for doing it he's doing it in a great way Uh, but i'm a little surprised man they told me uh that you had a bone to pick with me because. I think it was last week, I inadvertently mentioned that you were out getting uh, some kind of penile enhancement surgery. That's, but I, I, we're not going to get into it. We're we're not going to, you, you said you want to talk
1: about Jawan Howard. I I don't want to talk about your surgery. Uh, We're not going to talk about it. It, Yeah. You know, we'll we'll talk about it later. (laughs) I've had some swelling. (laughs) Well, I mean, anytime. It gets ingrown. It's probably
2: best to have the surgery just to get it out from underneath the skin.
1: Exactly. It's, it's true,
2: <laughs> honestly. It, it, truthfully, you, you're joking. I can't
1: believe I'm cracking this joint. Yeah, I, I can't either. I, I
2: really can't. I'm ruining the show. You wanted to talk about Jawan Howard. Why?
1: Well, well, well it, it goes hand in hand. Well, I know why. It goes hand in hand what we're talking about today, truthfully, because it's, John, it's the Jawan Howard thing. But I'm sitting at home and I'm listening, you know, Watching social media, listening to what people say, listening to friends and family. And, and it's what Steve said today about Royce, because this is what he said. He said Royce gets it. Roy, you can listen to what Royce says, and you ain't got to worry about him giving you all that fluff. I'm sitting at home, and I forgot what it was, Monday, Tuesday, whatever, but with this Juwan Howard thing. Let me ask you, Jay. Have you ever heard of the National Action Network? Yeah, that's, that's Al Sharpton's organization. Oh well, see, I can't even. Yeah, All right, man, you look, didn't know that? that was a, well, okay. Hey, look, man, I, look. Okay, well, I didn't know. I thought it was a joke because they, oh. they, they did it for real, for real. Juwan Howard press conference. Who did the national? Action? Yeah, they, they did a Juwan Howard press conference. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you, I, I was medicated, you know, so I didn't know if I was on one. Cause I, I thought it was, some, I thought it was an Uncle Jimmy parody, <laughs> you know. I'm like, what well, is looking like some shit I would do, and they was dead serious. You think? Have you seen it? No. Jason at, was Al Sharpton there. Jason,
2: just look at this. Look look, was look. Al Sharpton there. Uh, in spirit. Oh,
4: it was his organization, but he wasn't Yeah, there. He, he he was
1: there in spirit. Just take a listen to this. Check out this twist they're putting on this Jawan Howard thing.
4: We have gathered to send a clear-cut message. Mm-hmm. We will not stand for the racism that is being promoted by the University of Michigan or the University of Wisconsin. It is very clear to us that Coach Gard was the initiator yes. of this circumstance. Mm-hmm. Right. If Coach Gard would have never touched Juwan Howard, we wouldn't be standing here right now, That's right, not right, right, not at all, absolutely. If Coach God would have walked by like coaches do all the time, all the right. time, and have went about his business, we would not be standing here right now. That's right now, So for us, for for the University of Michigan to be issuing apologies without demanding apology from University of Wisconsin. We see that as racist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, so. that's right.
1: <laughs> Did you hear what he said? <laughs> Did you hear what he said? I heard him say, Coach God. He said, Coach God <laughs> was the he? initiator of this circumcision <laughs> of Jawan Howard. <laughs> and then, hold it, bro. Hold oh, on. I probably, that does
2: look like a parody. I <laughs> you mean, thought I was kidding. And, I mean, that looks like a pair. I couldn't make kept... that up myself. He... <laughs> <laughs> the racism of Wisconsin and that coach. Have you? Did you see the video of what happened with Jawan and the, the guy? Touched his elbow. You know, you know how you, Man, don't you shake him. someone's hand and you touch their elbow at the same time, and he did it to, to prevent Jawan Ju- from just blowing past him, but. Bro, I don't know if he was the initial. And then he hit another man. He didn't
1: hit Coach Guard. He hit somebody else like ten seconds later. Jason, it's not—it's bad enough that they put this out, but you know what they did next? Oh, it ain't over. Wait, but wait, there's more. <laughs> hey man, you, let, me, let me ask you—you you know it's bad when you go out and get Jesus to come in and co-sign, right? <laughs> they got, Dude, they went out and got a preacher. What's the They got—they—they they went out and got a preacher from somewhere in Detroit, I, I, I forgot what his name is, but this preacher come out cussing, but I wish the hell he would. Hey, I ain't got problem. so what? I smoke two packs of menthols a day. And <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Go, go ahead, roll this clip, man. Listen to this preacher. Come on. See. The tape is clear. He was assaulted.
5: There was some discrepancy about whether or not the out the, the hell with that. When you put your hand on me, all of the rest of that goes out the door. And I don't know how much else, by the time a black man or black woman does have to step up, you've already endured way more than what we could imagine. So I'm asking, out of respect, for this university to not wait another 30 years or 29 years or whenever the rape victim and assault victims of this campus had to deal with, for the white men to continue to rape, to continue to assault, the white men who were n- nobody was saying nothing about when the victims was crying out, I'm asking you not to victimize the black man. I'm asking you not to victimize the black man. So I stand here firm, me, yes, Reverend Gary Hunter from Detroit, to say that we need to really hold accountable when the white folk do stuff that provoke. I always say, say to people I know, don't get mad at what I respond to, get mad at what made me do what I had to do yeah. for you to respond. Don't get mad at him for uh, his natural readings. Get mad at the white man for touching him in the first place.
2: Oh, Jim, do you you have a definition for re angst?
1: Well, well, first
2: of all, but let Jay, me let, go to di- before I clown this guy. I want to let me check. Maybe re
1: angst is a word that I don't know. because well, I on, don't man. know them all. Well, they, but he's a preacher now. They got a whole different book that they go by. Well, hold on. Let's see re angst. Nah. I mean, you know. It, Gazinta, <laughs> three Gazinta two. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that. I can't, that looks like an in living color skit. That looked like some. Uh, I'm really upset that we didn't do that skit before they did. <laughs> I, I agree. mean, honestly, that's a bad look on re angst. That's a bad look on us. But what do angst mean? If you if you got angst. <sighs> okay, I, I got another word. Okay, look up this word. Look up rape. Rape? Yeah, because didn't he say that they rape? We've been raped.
2: He's talking about some alleged allegations but (sighs) it's
1: not compared to, it's it's not relatable to
2: Let me take the joke out of this. Thank you. And and just on a serious note explain to these guys what that is and what that look like. It's white people in the late 1800s, all the way through the 50s, 60s. They would lynch someone black over some allegation or blah, to make blah. And then they would hold a press conference or not hold a press conference. They would gather around the and justify like the it. craziness or why they did it. And it would sound a lot like that. See, no one wants to tell the story of what provoked this. And he made eye contact with a white woman. See, y'all don't even understand what instigated this. And once he made eye contact with a white woman, see, y'all don't want to talk about that. That's what provoked us to lynch him. And so, I mean, it's always, that, what they just did, gathered up a group of racists And offered up a racist defense of LeBron James is embarrassing. It speaks to a mindset that's unhealthy and racist. Uh, It it it's it's like, but they took their cue, and I'm just sorry. I got to put this back on Jawan Howard. He went to that post game press conference on Sunday. And basically, like, he did nothing wrong. And how dare anybody question him. He was, It escalated because this man touched my elbow, and that's why 10 seconds later, I threw a punch at a totally different man who did nothing to me. And we hold a press, a press conference defending this? This is embarrassing. The, the, the Al Sharpton National African Network Says it all. Don't hold that
1: man responsible. For his actions. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you hold a man responsible for? I, I don't. That, that's. Yeah, come on,
2: man. Let's go. And I'm telling you, I like Juwan. I've known him since he was 19. He needs help. And, and this isn't. That's not help he's getting. People are throwing gas. You did something stupid and people are throwing gas. on. Yeah, you was provoked. You should have done that. And that's what happens to us. It's like, you it's illegal in modern America to give a black man good advice.
1: But Jason, the question is, why do they think that we are so stupid that they can put that out there and we gonna suck, we gonna eat it up?
2: Some people did. He had a little group out there and, and some people, I've heard people say Everybody. similar things. I, I, you know, one of my best friends, was talking about how he don't like the handshake line. It's the handshake line's fault. I,
1: I, I'm just uh, – anyway, let's get going. Let's, go man. let's go, man. Um, we took, we took the whole joke out of that. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> – For it's, real, it's, man, that, that's – It's sad.
2: It's sad. Uh, job performance, uh, he's been suspended for five games the rest of the regular season. It's questionable touch and go whether they'll qualify for the NCAA tournament. Uh, I mean, I, I get the best I can give him right now in job performance is a three. Yeah,
1: that's pretty, that's not bad. I give him a zero. <laughs> I guess that's three points higher than what yeah. you Because you're Ron Howard's like a college professor on spring break. He ain't got no class. <laughs> <laughs> Just plain and simple, man. plain and simple. Uh, character, because I've known Juwan
2: and I've seen him operate, in a high character fashion. Uh, I, I'm gonna give him a few points here. I'll give him a 10. I'm not gonna get into, there's a lot of salacious rumors and alleged lawsuits. Uh, salacious?
1: We, 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 we got break? We, he's, that's had couple,
2: he's had a couple of women sue him for, uh, let's see. He's brought, t- he's brought in J- Britney Renner in a couple of times. Well, I think he's had a, a couple Usher type lawsuits. Mm, okay. You know, when you're passing on that friend that never <laughs> <laughs> that never leaves home. <laughs> but anyway, we, don't even touch it. Don't touch
1: it, Jim. I'm giving him a 10 in character. Okay, see, that's the difference in me. I'm gonna give him a 25. I give him a 25. Because his performance- perfect score in character. Yeah, because it's right in line with his character. This ain't the first time Juwan done did this. That's and true. now let me ask you this. Now, is, is this the first time we done seen a black coach do this in the NCAA? Yeah, Dude, did we done. forget about John Cheney? Did he throw a punch? I know he John Cheney to threatened to kill Cap- uh, John Caballeric?
2: Kalapari, but the, he didn't
1: throw no punch. He didn't throw no punch? But if he could have got to him? I've seen coaches yelling. I'm not gonna okay. do Okay, he now. said I was gonna kill you, Jason. That's against the law. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, let's keep going, man. <laughs> hey, man, look here. It, 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 you know right now, Suge Knight is running around somewhere in his cell. I'm hell, I can do that! <laughs> Come <laughs> on, man. It. Stop this. Uh, keep going, man. 25, man.
2: Authenticity. I.
1: He's authentic.
2: Sometimes you feel like a nut. Jawan is a nut and has shown it. <laughs> and he's he kept it 100 and 100 a 100. Uh, he didn't think nothing he did was wrong. I don't think his apology was very good. 24, 28 hours later. Uh, so I'll give him a 25 in authenticity. Jason, you know where he's
1: coaching at, right? Michigan. You know where Michigan's at, right? Ann Arbor. In Detroit. Oh, (laughs) that's how they get down to Detroit. Basically. Okay. Well, you, you know where the malice in the palace was, right? Yeah, in the palace in Detroit. Okay, and so in other words, man, for authenticity, I give them a twenty-five. Yeah. That's how they get down in Detroit. Okay, <laughs> let me ask you a question. You remember the malice in the palace? Remember that right there? Yeah. See that? That that, that that's how they do it, Detroit. Hey man, I got another one for you. Look, look at that one here. Let, let's not forget that, 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 Don't forget the bad boys in Detroit. Don't forget, bam! That's Isaiah Thomas. That's Carl Malone Carl, here. Yeah, but wait, but that's <laughs> Detroit. That's how we get down to Detroit. <laughs> if you come to Detroit, you, you need to know this is what's going to happen. You know, so let's not act like, hey, just this fall, LeBron James, bam! He 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 had to punch your boy Stewart, had him leaking like a fountain. This is what happens in Detroit. Why are we acting surprised about this? Okay, this is what happens. Let's not forget the 1991 World Series, huh? Remember this? The epic brawl. This is what happens in Detroit. Jason, Detroit is sore losers. This is what they do, huh? The Red Wings, fighting every time. They fighting hockey. Hey, went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. (laughs) This is how they get down in Detroit. Come on, man, let's not, are we act- why are we acting so amazed at this? The man is true to his character. And let's not forget this, Namda Sue doing his best Kurt Franklin impersonation. Make me wanna stomp. Come on, man. This is why they warn you about Detroit. Don't drink the water.
2: <laughs> That's Flint.
1: <laughs> Same thing. Come on, man.
2: Not bad, Jim. That's, not, go, man. that's quite a collection. And Dominican by the way, is his name. Uh, and then it factor. Uh, there's a couple of women that say he does have it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'll give him a 10. Look, man, I'm 10. giving him a 25. I don't have a problem with the five game suspension. Why? Because he was a member of the five. What? Fab. Five, uh, Fab Five. Show this picture, show him that picture real quick. Show you what I'm talking about. Fab Five, right there. <laughs> hey man, remember that old Dave Chappelle skit? Remember the skit, show that skit real quick. Hurry before we go. Five fingers shade in the face. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> 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 there you go, man. He didn't punch him, he slapped him. Okay, he got a one game suspension for every finger he put on the man's face. (laughs) Slap!
2: There you go. (laughs) All right, you got him at a grease fire. I got him at a dumpster fire. Uh, That was pretty good, Jim. Hey man, glad to be back. man. S- sitting at home doing nothing. Maybe we need to do more of that. No, we shouldn't. Get your best work out of no, it. No
1: man. Uh uh-uh. uh. All right. Well, it's the first time you heard tomorrow in a while. My baby mamas was getting real nervous. You ain't been. You ain't been to work in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Better not affect my check. Exactly. <laughs> All right. See you tomorrow. Negro better have No negotiation, my sister no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. i breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all seed when We all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be. I just want, I want to be. I just want. I wanna be, I just want